Hello. If you are listening to this episode on the day of release, which is March 3rd, it is International Sex Worker Rights Day. This day began in 2001 in India, when over 25,000 sex workers gathered for a festival. This was despite prohibitionist groups trying to stop the festival by putting pressure on the government to revoke their permit. The purpose of this day is to recognise sex worker rights as human rights, which of course we do every day here at Somebody You Love. Things that you can do to celebrate and contribute to the day include listening to the voices of sex workers, which you are doing right now, so congrats, you're already smashing it and doing better than most, Uh, and taking small steps to represent us when we're not around. When you hear others using stigmatised language, try to take a second and politely suggest that there could be a different way of phrasing things. Follow sex worker orgs like those that are listed in our show notes. Pay attention to their call-outs for help in decrim and anti-discrimination campaigns. And of course, the best thing you can do is send your favourite hooker some cash. Have you checked out the Somebody You Love Patreon yet? For just $3 a month, you can get every episode without ads and you get them a day early. For $6 a month, you get all of our bloopers and behind-the-scenes action. For $10 a month, you get monthly bonus episodes. And for $20 a month, you also get the bonus episodes as videos. You can cancel anytime, and when you sign up, you get access to everything that we've posted so far. We also have annual subscriptions where you save 10% and get one month free. Patreon.com slash somebodyyoupod, as in podcast. You do have to type in the URL because Patreon hides 18 plus creators from the search, so you most likely won't be able to find us by searching. That's patreon.com slash somebody you pod. Welcome to Somebody You Love or The Sale of Two Titties. I'm Jenna Love and I'm Holly Hart. And we're experts in disappointing our parents, breaching community guidelines, and banging the people who vote against our rights. We would like to acknowledge the traditional caretakers of the land on which we live, work, and record this show, the Ngunnawal, Darug, and Gundungurra peoples. We pay our respects to the past and present traditional custodians and elders of these nations, and the continuation of cultural, spiritual, and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. We're going to be talking about stigma today and how much it affects our lives and the choices that we make as sex workers. Now, stigma affects every single sex worker. It certainly has had negative impacts on both Holly and I, and presumably it will continue to do so until we die. But it's really important for us to be clear that our peers who sit at the intersections of other marginalised communities experience it double or triple fold what we do. Sex workers who are trans, people of colour, migrant workers, people with visible disabilities, First Nations people, injecting drug users, people who are homeless, all have to navigate the same stigma that we talk about on this show, as well as also navigating the stigmas associated with those other groups that they identify with. Many times, well-meaning allies have said things to me like, oh, well, it's great that you do sex work. I mean, it's not like you're a druggie or anything or something like, oh, well, at least you're not out on the streets. I know you're being safe and and all this sort of stuff, which I know it's well-meaning, but it's not good enough. Like, that's just ain't it. We're not leaving anyone behind. If you want to support sex workers' rights, 
which obviously you should, and if you're listening to this, then I expect that you do, then you need to support all sex workers' rights. So some of the stigma that that even Jenna and I, who who are very privileged in the industry, but something that we still see and we hear talk about, some some clients even mentioned to us, is is the uh, the issue of showing face. There is this idea out there from a lot of clients, and, and I'm sure even people who are not in the industry, that that people who don't show their face on their advertising is, is you know it's because they're ashamed of their work. They they don't want to be recognised because they're embarrassed about it, and, and there are even guys who think it's just because they are unattractive workers, which is a really strange take. I don't think a lot of people think that. I think it's no, where I've seen that. No, but I have that. heard it. I've seen it in the in the dark depths of the of the web with the, the really – I've heard people say that to my face. Wow, really? What, I've heard them say that they – they were surprised that they saw a worker who was face in and they went, oh, she's actually she's really pretty. And I was like, yeah, I imagine so. And they went, yeah, well, just because she covers her face. And I'm like, yeah, that's not that's not what that means. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a funny way to approach the industry it would be to blur out your most, you know, the yeah. bits that you're most self-conscious about. Yeah. I just have an ad of me and just like blur some body parts and you go, oh, what's, uh, what's going on? Oh, I, just, I just don't like I my mean, belly, thanks. Uh- <laughs> to be fair, I do do that. That's what face cheat okay. is for. Okay, true. <laughs> but there's a difference between a light yes. edit and yes. a blur. And true. you just look at a picture of me and there's just like a blur under my chin. Like I've just like <laughs> not snatched my face with an app but just blurred it. Yeah, that would be uh, a weird way of doing it, right? Just like, removed, yeah. like just a hole, just, like a green screen. <laughs> Wear a green scarf and then just – Just a head hovering. <laughs> yeah. I I think it is a really strange take. Mm. And I think if you give it any more than like two seconds of thought, you'll go, okay, well, it's most likely not because they are self-conscious of their image because they could layer on about seven different uh, Mm. filters if that was really what it was about. There's no need for that in in 2022, (laughs) is there? There's really not. And, uh, and look, makeup, makeup does wonders as well. So, but yeah, there is a lot of thought that, People blur their faces or cover them or however, you know, they, they wish to um, to censor their identity. Um, but, yeah, that it's because of, of shame. And that's not the case. I think it's because of other people's shame, not because mm. of the shame of the worker. So to, to clarify the language we're using, to be face in means that your your face is hidden to an extent. Mm. And some people will do that by covering their face with a piece of fabric or their hair or blurring it really strongly. Some people might be sort of partially face in where they just blur their eyes or their mouth or they sort of show only one eye at a time or something like that. And Holly was sort of in that position for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I used to cut my head off from all pictures and I still had a, uh, someone I know message me because mm. they recognize my boobs. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, an ex-partner was like, um, is this you? And I was like, fuck me. There's not even half a face in it. It was straight up neck to waist. Yeah. And he was like, that's her. <laughs> so I know that's, them titties. Um, <laughs> that says a lot, doesn't it? Uh, but then, yeah, I moved to the to the you know half face from yeah. nose down, showing that sort of thing. That's rough because you want to still get some of that you across, but uh, mm-hmm. still super recognisable. Uh, yeah. yeah, didn't didn't go, didn't work. <laughs> yeah, and then face out means that your face yeah. is out there. It is it is shown. Something that I find really interesting is I come across a lot of people who try to tell me that there is no longer uh, stigma against sex work, that nobody has a problem with it, that it's all cool. I've had multiple conversations with clients um, and a lot of friends that have just been like, 
oh, but it's fine. Like, you know, it's 2022. Everyone's so chill. Everyone's doing OnlyFans, blah, blah, blah. And they're just wrong. (laughs) And part of me is like, it's really like, there's an element of that that's really fucking lovely because what that says to me is that they don't think there should be stigma because they go, Mm. well, there's no reason. Surely no one has a problem with that. So I, I kind of appreciate that. But then it's also not entirely unusual for someone who has said that to me to then reveal some actually kind of stigmatized attitudes later on as well, which, you know, we never, you and I, we never hold that against anyone, right? Like we've all, we all have oh work that we've got to do, right? Yeah, we've all got a learning. And, and you don't wake up being woke. You don't wake up no. knowing all the things and, and being the perfect person. Yeah, it's a journey. And, mm. and sometimes it's appropriate to say uh, all those views. And sometimes mm. you just let it slide yeah. in the moment. And that's yeah. something that we grow down the track. So yeah. whether or not people have the perfect takes all the time, the fact is that they the fact that they care or that they want to be supportive is a, is a massive start. Mm. And we, yeah, but it's pretty funny that. when people go, no, there's no, there is no stigma. And then proceed yeah. to, you know. Yeah, to say something to like, say well, something I like don't think of you as a prostitute. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well. <laughs> you go, oh, <laughs> that's the opposite. Yeah, but okay. Not, yeah, and they th- they're just a little bit misguided. And I think a, a lot of, like, there are a lot of really small ways that stigma affects us um, and ways that actually become discrimination. And there's also some really big, significant ones that are really, you know, life life impacting So I guess like law enforcement is a really big one. And obviously this is going to vary across the world. And Holly and I don't have much experience with this because we're lucky enough to live under, globally speaking, pretty fucking decent laws when it comes to sex work. But I think for me, and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here because I don't have the lived experience, but I think a lot of it is plausible deniability. Because if you get arrested or you're, you know, being looked at by the cops or whatever, if they can then look, pull up an ad of yours and there's a photograph of you and you're right there next to them, I mean, it's it, it's pretty difficult to sort of get out of that one. So it's not that, you know, not showing your face means that you're going to be safe from any of those consequences, but it's that element of, of plausible deniability. It's that element of being like, uh, no, that's just another woman. She went to the yeah. same boob surgeon, I guess. Yeah, you know, could possibly be me. Yeah, um, but obviously that's that's a really um, you know for people working in areas where sex work is criminalised, um, or even in areas where it's legalised, quote unquote. Which, as we know, if we've all been listening to the show, really is a form of partial criminalisation. Then. I totally get not wanting to have your face out there like a big billboard saying, hey, come arrest me. The other one which we've discussed, which is really, uh, really relevant to us or to me particularly, I think, is uh, is family. So that was the, the primary factor why I stayed face in for so long. There were other contributing factors but the biggest one really was family my mother in particular really hates my association with sex work and uh and she's concerned that other family members will find out and or people that she knows and if if again if my face wasn't attached to it there is that plausible deniability Mm. I think for her Uh, but yeah for me to stand by something I believe in that was something I had to uh to decide for myself and I'm glad that I'm face out but uh my mother's awareness of that is limited. So we've had the discussions and I get a bit of silent treatment whenever it sort of comes up. So uh, mm. not a good one. Because um, she is the height of maturity. 
Yeah, yeah, we do, we deal with things really communicatively, you know. There's mm, a lot of mm. um, openness from me and a lot Clearly. of stone stonewalling from her. Yeah. <laughs> really healthy. Yeah. Uh, mm. Ask me, ask me why I'm in therapy. Uh, so, um, but yeah, family can be a really big one, and my family situation is even pretty mild comparatively with, with other people. There are other people out there where they will be facing family violence. Uh, they could be facing financial abuse. They might be cut off or they might be uh, mm-hmm. manipulated or pimped out or who knows. There's so many things that can happen with people um, mm. that are your partner or your parents or other family members or blackmail. I don't know. Look, there are so many things uh, that can happen to people. Well, you know, it's really sad to say, but a lot of abusers are the people that are closest yep, to somebody. 100%. And um, yep. making yourself vulnerable in that way means that you can face a lot of, um, yeah, violence and, and fear from your family. And, and even just the social, just being cut off socially or mm. emotionally is really brutal for a lot of people to know that they've got no one they can uh, lean on or that family is being cut off from them entirely is, is I horrifying. I think especially for uh, like second generation migrants and stuff like that, mm. because um, often their family and friends, like the circle will be really based around their ethnicity. And particularly if they speak a language other than English, like they will tend to spend, as I would, if I went to live in France, I'd be hanging out with the other Aussies, you know? Yeah. Well, obviously I would try to diversify myself, but it, it, I think it's very logical that you would, you would go towards yeah. like people with like histories. And those communities can be really tight and very gossipy from what I hear. So Again, gossipy. not yeah. my experience, but yeah, no. they, you know, they're, they're very, they're small little communities and getting kind of booted out of that, I imagine would be really significant. So the one that we've titled the episode after is the impact on international travel. And this is one that I find most people don't know about. And people are really surprised when I tell them that I effectively can never enter the United States of America and probably a whole bunch of other countries too. But the reason I use the USA as an example is that that is the country that we have the most evidence of doing that and the country that's kind of the most open about it, I guess, most transparent, which is surprising because transparency is not always their strength. So basically the USA, as uh, I'm using that as the example, when you travel there, you need to sign a form that says you have uh, you need to sign a form that says a whole bunch of things, but one of those is declaring that you have not engaged in in-person sex work in the last 10 years. And people will say, sure, well, maybe just lie, <laughs> which is cool until your face is on the mm. internet because we have facial recognition software in this world and it's pretty fucking good and the USA loves it like many countries do. Um, so if I were to go there and say, yep, no, I've never done it, they're going to be like, no, but you're Jenna Love. Like <laughs> we know you have. And given how much of me there is on the internet, like it's, it's literally just not feasible for me to to remove myself from it. And I've, I've spoken to people about this and they've said, oh, is it like a guarantee that you wouldn't get in? And no, it isn't because there's a lot of people going through the airport, depends who they pick up on, blah, 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 depends who's working that day. But do I want to risk that flight and the money and all my plans and then me literally being treated like a criminal on US soil and then being put on the next plane back to Australia? Like I'm not, I'm not going to take the risk basically. And yes, we know that this happens because there are – a large, uh, I would say a large number, like there's, it's not just a couple of people. There are a large number of sex workers 
Australian sex workers who have had that exact experience happen to them. They've been at the border, been turned away and put on the next plane home. And I think that that is really awful. And as I said, so we, we don't know, there are other countries where that can happen as well, particularly if you get reported by somebody. When uh, my husband and I went to Japan in 2019, I posted a photo on our flight on Twitter and a number of people messaged me and told me to take it down because I think somewhere there was maybe a flight attendant in the background or something. So you could tell that we were flying Qantas. Um, and with that information and the approximate time of day, like I didn't say when the flight left or anything, obviously, but with that information, somebody could go online and easily sort of narrow it down to maybe one, two or three flights, contact the Japanese authorities and say, there's this criminal on board. Whether or not Japan would have then prevented me from having entry or not, I don't know. But the fact that I yeah could potentially be pulled aside and interrogated, I mean, it's horrific. It's awful for doing entirely lawful activity. Like that, this is the thing. And we are talking about workers going overseas for holidays. And the thing is, again, when I say this, people go, oh, but blah, blah, went to America. And yes, it can happen. Uh, sex workers who are going to travel to America, like we have, there are big threads on how to make it work. You've got to get rid of your work phone. You've got to take all your ads down. You can't mention dates anywhere. Like it's all this sort of stuff. Like it's a, a huge amount of work goes into it. You've got to make sure you have an itinerary for your holiday to prove that you are there for holidaying, not for working. But regardless, if you've been a sex worker in the last 10 years, you're not allowed into that country. And I need to clarify that it is in-person sex work that they have a problem with uh, because, yes, porn stars fly around and that seems to be fine because America has those weird laws where they're like, yeah, go make money in porn, just not like, yeah, it is what it is. And this is where I remember being really naive to this when I first started in the industry. This was a misconception of mine. There you go. I said I didn't have many, but this was one. When I would see people with blurred faces that weren't like that heavily blurred necessarily or weren't disguising that much of themselves, I would be like, babe, what is the point? Like your mother knows that that photo is you. You know what I – like a lot of times I'd be like, you're really not like disguising the way you look that much. But I've since learned that a lot of that is about – trying to mitigate uh, facial recognition software. So it's not about your family and friends potentially recognising you for some people. A lot of people I know who are face in are completely out. Everyone in their lives know what they do, but it's the international travel factor. And that's not a factor for Holly because she's not leaving Canberra anytime soon. But <laughs> Yes, as, but still. As, as discussed, yeah, I have agoraphobia and I am not planning to get it on a 14-hour flight anytime. No. Uh, but it would be nice to think that in the future, when I have overcome my phobias, that's something that I could do. And I would like to think I'll try. But I, I have to acknowledge that, like you said, it's not a process of apply, get denied, find out while you're sitting at home on the couch, mm, and, exactly. and that's fine. Yeah. It is people getting on a plane, really excited about their holiday, spending all their money on it, taking all the time off, getting to the country after yet yeah, a 14-hour flight, which is fucking exhausting, and then getting to the border and being locked in a tiny little room, 
often for hours, hours and hours and hours and hours and being interrogated. Their phone's gone through. You have to provide the password. They'll go Mm -hmm. through everything. They'll call people you know, just drag you, like treat you horribly. You can see some of the stuff on the the border sort of shows, but it's pretty Mm. brutal in the US. Like Australia is is really... um, What's the word? Really chill compared to how America... Uh, well, not with flora and fauna. No. If you're trying to bring fruit in, then you the, we will bring our wrath down on you. Are you serious? But, no. Are you oh, kidding? yes. Have you not seen on those border shows? They go, oh, did you tick this? And they go, I don't know. And they go, oh, it's okay. We'll just give you a warning. And so this was the 10th time that Judy brought these fucking fruits over here. Are you serious? Yeah. They always I give feel like they're really intense about flora and fauna. But everything else, no. they're like drugs. That's okay, but but not no mangoes. <laughs> no, they always just give them a warning. You're like, come down on them, and they oh. always. Oh, I don't oh. know. Anyway, write in, comment, guys. Tell us on our. What do you think? Do you think we're hard or not hard enough? Anyway, so, but yeah, the the, the US, um, from what I've heard, well, I suppose I don't know a lot of people who've been caught at the border in Australia and interrogated, aside from. Um, you know, well, I don't know him personally, but uh, Novak Djokovic. Um, mm. But uh, the US is, is really tough. I know that, yeah, that, that interrogation process is really dehumanising, really upsetting. And then they chuck you on a flight back home and it's pretty, pretty fucked mm. up. So At your own expense yeah. as well. You yeah. need to pay for that flight, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing's pretty, um, pretty upsetting and doesn't really make sense because in the last 10 years, what... And like you said, it's for a holiday. It's very obvious you're going on a holiday, uh, but it doesn't matter. The law is – the rules are the rules, and they, they don't care about the, uh, the nuances involved. So that's pretty sad. Obviously, uh, future careers is a big one. I can't imagine so many perspectives of sex work in a future career. So say you're a, you're a hire-up, you're employing someone, and – you know, you give someone the job, they seem like they're really suitable and then you get like a tip off. Someone calls and they send you links or photos of somebody that are obscene. I've heard of this sort of stuff happening and yeah. uh, I can't imagine I've heard of it that... happening quite a lot. Yeah, it's yeah not this uncommon. is not. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It must be for that employer incredibly confronting and it's none of their business but like, yeah, I mean, the fact that people feel the need to, to contact someone's employer and out oh, them is disgusting. so horrible. And, yeah, and then on the flip side, yeah, being the worker who, for whatever reason, is, is in this civilian world and getting this civilian job, um, they, this may have been their long-term goal. They might have done all this study to get into this job or, you know, whatever, and sex work might have been something they've done on the side or there could be so many reasons why they've done sex work and now they're doing this civilian role. And then to be pulled in for a meeting and essentially humiliated and treated like, like you said before, like a criminal for something that is a perfectly legal line of work. And not just that they know it, but often that they've seen it. They've seen these really vulnerable or, you know, sexual pictures of you that weren't Mm -hmm. for their consumption. No, And that's just so degrading. It's really unfair. And it's horrible that that people can treat you in a different way for, for sex. Everyone's yeah. doing it. And yep. if they're not doing it, they want to do it. And if they're not, they're thinking about it. Like it, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I just I feel like it's just so crazy. Uh, I, I, why am I ranting about it? I'm preaching to the choir. You guys yeah. know. But yeah, but it's, it's a big risk. 
It's yeah. a big risk. So having yeah. your face out there means – and this is something that my mum said to me years ago. Like, what if you want to go back? And I'm like, like, mate, I'm not going back to the real world. I'm happy. This is no. where I am. Fuck and if the I am – Yeah, if I do decide to take up another job, it will be self-employed. Yeah. I, I have no interest in uh, in putting myself in that position anyway. But uh, but there are a lot of workers mm. who are, who th- their goal is to – you know, and, and current God. careers as well. I mean, there's a lot of workers oh, yeah. who sex work is not their full-time job and they don't want it to be. I've got a, yeah. a friend who works in um, – she works in banking. So she does a nine-to-five and she only takes yeah. um, bookings uh, sort of Friday, Saturday night. Sometimes she'll do a Sunday booking. And for her, that's because that's her extra money. That's, you know, how many people in this world have multiple jobs like that? It's very common these days. But she is terrified of her work finding out because the banking, as we'll go on to talk about, the banking industry just doesn't love sex workers. So it can be also their their current jobs. And, and you and I uh, both have many, many stories of, of peers that we've heard of being outed to their employers and losing their, their full-time employment, which, uh, and I, yeah, I don't, I mean, I could rant with you. I don't understand why any human being would want to call up someone's employer and, and put them out of a job. I don't know why you would mm. want to do that to someone. It's, it's fucking awful, but it happens. And there are a few lines of work, which, um, and I'm, I'm probably going to get the terminology wrong, but there are a few lines of work where it's like, they think it's a moral issue if yes. you've been a sex worker. If, yep. And that's in some sort of academia or in some sort of um, social work or, or, or things uh, yeah, like that. Including uh, the police, firefighters, right. all of those sorts of areas mm. have a, a moral clause where it doesn't say you can't Excuse have done me. sex work, mm. but it says anything. It's kind of left up to the commissioner or whatever, their moral judgment, which yeah. is like, oh, well, you know, mm. that's scary. I have, I have a friend who is a, a lawyer and mm. um, I know she's she's – May or may not have dabbled. I, look, it's one of those things where what is sex work? And we, yeah. we talked about that in the D-Cream episode. There are a lot of grey areas uh, where, where sex work sort of is. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think that that's another one. I think when you, when you, you know, pass the bar, you have to uh, pass all oh. the moral clauses as well. So, uh, which is fine. You should teaching have to. Teaching generally another big one. Teaching. Yeah, you should have to be a moral person to do certain jobs. But equating sexuality with morality exactly. is, yeah, that's well, yeah. not. That's um, the problem. A really significant one that, again, will never affect Holly and I unless – well, it could in terms of animals – but um, is custody disputes. It's uh, I've heard many, many stories of sex work being raised in custody disputes and it being used as a, a way of showing that somebody is an unfit parent, which, as we talked about in a very early episode of ours, Somebody You Love is a MILF with Charlie Swinton, is ridiculous. I know so many sex workers who have kids and it does so many wonderful things with them like flexible hours, more time to spend with their kids, able to take time off work if the kid's ill and all this sort of stuff. Like, it, you know, more more sort of disposable income potentially to buy the kids nice things and all that shit. So uh, the, the, the idea that it makes somebody an unfit parent, sex work on its own, is, is pretty ridiculous and, and based entirely in, in moral panic. But it is something that happens a lot and it can be used successfully. Um, so I, I know of a lot of both single parents and parents in relationships who don't want their face out there because they know that that could that alone could lead to their kids being taken from them and that's mm. fucking horrifying. 
even the school situation, even having to do mm. parent-teacher role, you know, interviews mm-hmm. or um, getting involved with things at the school and people recognising and gossiping and then your child being uncomfortable and, you know, depending on the age of the child, then them being told, like, all of that stuff is just such a head fuck. And uh, I suppose it's a, a really strong reason why a lot of people with children really want that that privacy. And it shouldn't be – they're not ashamed. It shouldn't be about shame. But the, the knowledge that other people will judge their ability to be a – a decent parent mm. on that. Mm. Yeah. And the impact that's going to have on their kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Housing. That's uh, another big one. That's something that definitely was relevant to me uh, up until uh, very recently. Well, it still continues. Um, so, yeah. you know, I was a, a renter for the past few years and I was constantly, you know, I lied to my landlord the entire time that I lived there out of necessity, not out of shame. I always had my cover story job and I, would never have told him what I did because, you know, you're very vulnerable when you're a, a renter. And in a heartbeat, he could have said, well, I don't want that happening in my house. Out you go. And I would have had a few weeks to get somewhere else to live, which is hard as a sex worker. Um, and it's even harder when you're a sex worker with a bunch of animals. Um, mm. Yeah. So it's it, that's a, a really big fear. And it was a big concern of mine when I was face in. Like I said, my my family situation was the first concern, but secondly was the um, was the concern that my landlord might, you know, or that I might face housing instability um, because of that. So now I am a homeowner, and that's not something I have to stress about. It's my house, and uh, yeah, I don't have to be afraid that somebody will tell my landlord because I am the landlord. But we do still have neighbours and they can complain to certain places. So there is still a concern there. And I've had the same as you. I mean, I was terrified Mm. for years because I was renting um, and I felt a huge sense of relief owning a place. But even to the people who who were selling the house that we bought, I had a whole cover story because I didn't think they would sell the house to a hooker. And I, I... still don't think that they would have, um, you know, they were boomers and I just don't think they would have. <laughs> mm. And so, yeah, I had this whole story and then they were really into the story and they kept asking about it. It was a whole fucking thing. Oh. And we were like, oh, God, what have we done? But anyway, we got the house, so that was good. But, uh, Holly, you and I both have a, a friend at the moment who was just evicted um, mm. and given only two weeks' notice, I think, or less even, a really That's short stupid. amount of time. Yeah. We don't know that it's because of sex work. I, th- I believe that she is going to fight it um, because they sort of didn't give a reason. But that's often what we find with sex work stigma is that you just don't get given reasons. Um, I think that's the case with a lot of stigma. You know, that's the thing with anti-discrimination protections. Um, it protects you from somebody outright saying, we're doing this yes. to you because of but it doesn't stop them from doing it and making up some other excuse. Discrimination still exists under anti-discrimination laws. It's just not explicit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, she's going through that at the moment, which is awful. And uh, we've heard of of that story with Mm. lots of sex workers and it's you and I both, like, I think for me that's that's the, the, the last place that I still lie is when it comes to housing. And how that relates to being face out for me is that, you know, if a all it takes is a neighbour recognising me and being like, mm. isn't that blah, blah, and then they go look up Jenna Love, they go, yeah, I'm sure it was her, and then they can start making my life really difficult. So even though what I'm doing is is lawful, in terms of neighbours and local councils, 
there's a bit more gray area there. So um, it's still a concern. I met my neighbour the other day and uh, we, we talked about this. I was really worried about what I was going to, you know, I sort of put it off. I thought I wanted to meet and have a chat, but I was a little bit concerned of what the story was I was going to tell mm-hmm, her. And mm-hmm. I don't like lying. With, I think anyone that knows me knows I'm just so forward and I feel yuck when I, when I lie, but I also can't meet your neighbour and be like, by the way, I'm a whore. Um, mm. So, you know, I sort of had a bit of a cover story and then I let little other bits of my personality come through and sort of testing waters and it becomes this whole process. And that's something a lot of sex workers go through when we meet people in general. But, you know, I, I have not disclosed my work to her yet. I don't know if I will. I don't know when the time will come. But uh, being face out means that if she sees something somewhere, that's it. Like, um, there's no plausible deniability for me mm. there. So these are, these are approaches. And like you said... I don't know if there's anything formal that she could really do, but she could certainly make my life more uncomfortable. Mm. And this Mm. is something that sex workers fear. So I don't think I've told you this yet, Holly, but we caught up with an old friend the other day and he was like, where are you guys living now? And we were like, oh, yeah, we bought a place. He was like, that's right, where is it? And then he was like, oh, my mates bought a place really close to that like two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, the blue house? Because – that's in front of my office and I watched people move into it two weeks ago. Wow. Um, and he was like, so wait, close. what number are you? Yeah, the same street. What number are you? And we looked at the map and he was like, oh, like literally across the road. I was like, yes, I literally sat there and watched them move in. <laughs> and the, after we had that, wow, how insane is that? My next thought was, hey, can you please not tell them I'm a hooker? And yeah. that kills me. I fucking hate that. I want everyone to know. But mm. these people just moved in. They got two kids, um, yeah. you know, young kids. And I don't, for whatever, I don't know, people think I'm going to strip in their lawns. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but people are afraid of, you know, children being around sex workers. And I thought, you know, he, fr- like we had this little chat and he was like, yeah, she's a, she's a doctor and he's a landscaper. Whatever. I don't remember what their jobs were, but, th- you know, like that's often the first thing you say yes. about someone. And I thought, what is he going to go back and have this conversation with them and be like, oh yeah, Mr. Love does this. And well, Mrs. Love, she's a hooker. And I just was like, please don't tell them. And it just, I don't know. I'm still, I just feel really sad about that. I hate that. Yeah, but I agree. Yeah. That's really rough. And asking a friend to lie is also shit. Like um, a big one that we have talked about on the show before is getting recognized in public. I know a handful of face in sex workers who their main reason for not showing their face is that they don't want to deal with that. And yeah, it fucking sucks. It's really, it's a whole thing. First of all, often when you get recognized in public, nine times out of 10, you will be wearing track pants and no bra and your hair will be greasy. Like that's, that's how you get recognized. You never get recognized when you're dressed up and looking fine. It just, that doesn't happen. Yes, exactly. And well, I'm in potato mode most of the time mm, in my life. Well, like yeah. I'm potato, yeah, yeah t- like nine times out of ten. So yeah. there's that part of it, but then there's also the messages that come afterwards inevitably. Well, not mm. inevitably. I guess I don't know about the ones that haven't messaged me, but it's the, oh, you looked really hot at Coles, and you're like, oh, my God, kill me. Fucking yeah, kill me. Yeah. I hadn't and brushed I'm, my hair. I yeah. had my titty, like no bra. I was there my with nipples. my family. That's yeah. a big one for me. Every time I get one of those messages, Mr. Love's like, oh, God, because he's usually with me. We do the groceries yeah. together. And he's like, oh, someone was looking at me going, oh, that's her husband. And like it's just. He hadn't done his oh. hair that day. No. Yeah, <laughs> He's bald for anyone that doesn't get the joke that just happened, that tried to happen. 
it happened. I think it was a success. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a really unsettling feeling. It's okay if it's a super regular client and oh, I know totally. they, they live nearby and I'm at the local. Like, that's cool. Different. You know, one yeah. of my clients once who sent a message and he said, oh, I think I just saw you at Woolworths. Uh, you were asking the attendant if they had any more Coke, no sugar. And I thought, that's <laughs> it. And I was like, like that's yeah. me. <laughs> and that was really cute. That was a rag and it was not an issue. But yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. I've seen the ones where, and I haven't really, I don't think I've gotten any, but I know a lot of people who have, who's gotten from strangers. Like, I just saw you at XYZ shop. You looked so good. And then there's like mm. dudes on the internet who were like, it was a compliment. Don't be so, <laughs> what? <laughs> It's not, yeah, but they're the same creepy. dudes that say wolf whistles from the construction workers are compliments, you know. And and then there is, like I said, I haven't received those messages, but I know that I have been places in Canberra, and again, I'm a potato, so I'll be in tracksuit pants, probably no bra, probably no makeup, hair a mess because my hair just naturally is chaotic as it is, and somebody's seen me and gone, that's Holly Hart. I bet you it's happened heaps of yeah, times. Of well, I don't think I'm a fucking celebrity, but I bet you people have gone, oh, that's that girl, that's mm-hmm. the one, and um, and just not said anything. So, yeah, not being face out gives you that, that, upp- that opportunity to be able to be anonymous in public, mm. which is really nice. You can be a potato. Or at least sort of say, like, even if you have long red hair, which people remember, you mm. could at least say, oh, no, it must have been someone else. Yeah. There is a massive amount of banking discrimination that occurs. I think we're looking at getting this wonderful worker on to uh, to have a chat mm. with us about that, aren't yes. we? That's uh, an yes. episode that we have coming up. But there, there have been a few workers who've been looking a lot into um, the specific details of this and getting a lot of anecdotal stories from people who have been discriminated against by banks. There are banks who will shut down your account if they suspect that you're a sex worker. They will shut off business accounts. There are, in fact, I even know that there's one at the moment who won't take cash deposits. Yeah. So if you're depositing, yeah, it doesn't. You could be a fucking. You could be creating resin art. You could be. Um. I don't know. Mm. You, you well, could be making. My parents had a retail business for twenty years, and every and Friday we would go and deposit any cash do earnings. The and I do the same thing to this day with my business. On Fridays, I go and deposit my cash earnings. That's how I grew up knowing about business. Yeah, I go and put my thing in every fortnight. I go and do my banking. So I'm like, what? What? How the fuck? What do you mean you can't? You won't accept cash Um, if you want to get a a merchant facility. That can be incredibly hard, particularly for brothels. So if you want to have like an F POS or credit card reader, Mm -hmm. that can be. If they find out what your actual job is, they can cancel it. Um, A lot of the sex work. I haven't been allowed to get merchant facilities. Yeah. A lot of the places that, that I was at, uh, the brothels, we had to have it as a bar. And so then that would, you know, just things like that. Yeah, um, right. there are, but then in certain jurisdictions, it's illegal to serve alcohol at brothels. So, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you have to have a liquor license um, mm-hmm. at the ones in the ACT, and that's incredibly hard and expensive to get a liquor of license. Of course, it is. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So th- there are so many things that uh, that make our lives difficult with banking. Fortunately, just for those listening who who might find it relevant, I did get my mortgage through ANZ as an out sex worker, and they they raise no flags about it. So mm-hmm. that's really nice, and um, and hopefully. That steers. I, I, I'm not at all going to say ANZ has never discriminated against a sex oh, worker. No. I don't know. We can't all say that about any cases. Bank or, yeah, yeah, no way. I don't know, but um, but I know at least one or two other sex workers who've gotten their mortgage through ANZ. So if that helps someone out there, yeah, that's that's my so just my little tip <laughs> in terms of looking at uh, 
like ethically investing into things. As far as I know, I'm yet to come across, and at least in Australia, a single bank that doesn't list being anti-pornography as a marker of their ethical investment strategy. So if you're looking for like ethical investments, which a lot of sex workers are because a lot of us are pretty lefty and stuff, unfortunately, I don't think you'll come across a single bank that doesn't have that that does ethical investment and doesn't have anti-pornography as a component of that, mm. which is shitty. But yeah, I mean, I'm face out and I walked into my bank to open my account. They know my work name, they they have my they know that I'm under the prostitution tax code, all of that and it was all fine, but I know of other workers with the same bank who have who have been denied bank accounts. Which just, I mean, that's the thing with banks. It fucking depends what teller you get, it seems. Yes. It's so varied. And if I were to open an account under something else, again, having my face out means that if somebody in the bank recognises me, they're going to go, nope, that's a hooker. <laughs> like, that's the thing. So, I've again, I've been quite privileged in terms of banking so far. And I also got a, a home loan uh, being an out-sex worker. But the caveat to that is that my husband was also, you know, he's also on the mortgage and he um, of, he is not a sex worker. So I, I think that, that that's a real privilege that I have. But it's amazing to hear that you on your own were able to get that. Yeah, I was, I was really stoked. But again, we don't know what interest rates we've then had hoiked up out, you know, like. Well, that's true, but mine's reasonably good. But I, mm. I do feel like I do have a slightly higher interest rate than some other people. Uh, and I feel like that's probably more because I'm self-employed than it is because yes, I'm a sex worker. I'm going to give yeah. a little bit of benefit of the doubt there yeah. and say, and, but still my interest rate is, I think, very reasonable. I was not expecting to get what I got mm. for, for a hooker. <laughs> it's like I thought they were going to make it really, really difficult for me. So I'm super grateful. I had a meeting with a financial advisor about three years ago. And as soon as I sat down at the table and told him that I was a sex worker, he got all flustered. He started launching into these speeches. And I was like, okay, I don't, what you're telling me right now, I already know how to do. I know how to run my business. I'm asking you specific advice on these three things. And then he yeah. launched back into his speeches and like was doing this. And I think he just got caught in a loop. Like he was so <laughs> shocked and awkward about the work that he yeah. just kept reading out scripts from his brain. And I was like, stop, yeah. stop. I know how to do yeah. this. I understand. Yeah. I have some questions here. And I got frustrated and I started yeah. to get really yeah. you know and I said this is I need to ask you this and he was like okay we'll go and he just sat there quiet and I was like do you know what this is not working out no. I think I'm going to leave and I just grabbed my stuff and left and yeah. I found a, another wonderful financial advisor who um who didn't bat an eyelid he just was like okay no worries yeah. and um looked into everything for me so yeah, yeah it's, uh, I've had I, a few yeah. of those where they just they seem they just get flustered <laughs> and they're embarrassed and they don't know yeah. how to speak to you and then after like half an hour, if you stick with them after half an hour, then the questions come out. Then they start going, yeah, right. so so where do you meet your client? Then they And you're like, oh, okay, so you've processed it now. And it's just, yeah. oh, it's an ordeal. It's like, buddy, I'm not trying to have sex with you. I'm trying to ask no. you where I should invest my money. Like oh. I, I'm not, I'm not spread legging my, I'm, I'm not, not showing you my pussy. right now. Like, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rubbing my nipples while I ask you about GST. I don't yeah. <laughs> and sorry to alarm you, but probably a lot of your clients have sex. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Crazy. So the TLDR, or the TLDL, I guess, too long didn't listen, um, <laughs> all of all of that is that I think we both acknowledge that there is a privilege in being able to go face out. Yes. And we're both really happy that we are. Mm -hmm. um, but it can 
also be a big burden. There's a lot of really serious things to think about. And if a sex worker has made the decision not to show their face, fucking respect that. Don't ask to see their face. Yeah. Simple as that. It's the most bizarre thing when a sex worker has obviously gone to efforts to not show their face and Mm -hmm. somebody texts them and says, can you send me a pic of your face? And it's like, that's defeating the whole purpose. Do you miss the free and affordable ads and social networks without all of the anti-sex rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising and social spaces to the sex working community. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their two products, Trist.link and Switter.at, are refreshing and well-needed changes in both presentation and mission. And both are free to join and open to all. You can find both of our profiles on Trist, and I love how it is so clearly designed by sex workers. Yep, and I love how straightforward and easy it is to use and how much they clearly support the sex working community. And also how responsive they are when it comes to feedback and customer service. Check out their website, assembly4.com, for the word, not the number, for more info. For shit people say this week, I have an in-person shit that was said. Yeah, that works. (laughs) I'm going to go with that. that. We'll stick with it. Okay. Which I don't often, I don't think we do too much of that. Because a lot of the time people say shit things on the internet, right? Because there's that level of anonymity and distance. But anyway, this one was in person. So it's a bit of a story. This was a client that I had been seeing for a few years and generally I think he would book an hour and at some point in, I think it was 2020, he booked two hours and he'd always been a fine client. But then that time we had more time and we had more time to get to know each other and all of a sudden for me he was not a fine client. (laughs) So he said said all sorts of things. I mean, one of them was that he he said, you know, Trump is the best thing that had ever happened to America and that it was the best thing that had happened to like certain countries in the Middle East and stuff. Um, And like that alone is not enough for me to cut off a client. Like I just, you know, whatever. Obviously I don't agree, but that's fine. But then he went through this thing and he was like, no, like let me show you. And, And he said to me, he said, put yourself in the shoes of an average American. What do you want? And I was like, um, okay, I want basic human rights for everyone. <laughs> like, like, because that is, that is what I kind of want. If I think about what I want in the world, that's what I want. And he said, no, no, you're an average US citizen. And I said, yeah, I guess I'd want my friends to be, you know, healthy and, and happy and safe. And he was like, no, you are a man with a family, with a wife and kids. And I was like, oh, sorry. So now the average US citizen is a man. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. I forgot that that, I forgot that that was the average gender and having a wife and kids is the average way of having a family. And he said to me, what you want is job security. And I was like, okay, I mean, okay, radio, I'll go along with this analogy. And it, it was just the way that he was being so incredibly patronizing and trying to explain to me why Trump is so great because that's because he serves the average American. And look, there was a lot more to it, but this was a couple of years ago and it just, I felt really gross by the end of it. And it felt really, oh, that's right. At one point he said, he said, oh, I know it's not the popular opinion, but it's my view. And I said, oh, well, look, I mean, it was obviously 
it was popular popular enough for him to become elected. So I would argue that at one point, you know, taking the Electoral College into consideration, mm. it was somewhat of a popular opinion. And I said, but, you know, it certainly wouldn't say it's popular among sex workers and it's maybe not the most um, popular topic to bring up with a sex worker. Yes. And he goes, he was like, oh, why? Why does your job have to be political? Why do you always oh. have to make it about politics? And I said, be- because it is, babe. Like our job is political. It is highly politicised. We're not doing that, but we also, it is the case, and so we have to react to that because if we don't, then we just get screwed over and we have to fight for that. And I said, so, you know, most, a lot of sex workers you'll find are pretty lefty. And he said, oh, no, there's plenty of right wings. And I was, okay, sure, cool. But all of the ones I've come across haven't been, and and you will find that I would say generally the trend is towards being a little bit more lefty, a little bit more human rights oriented, uh, more feminist and, and all that sort of thing. So anyway, after oh, then, then he wanted to have sex and I just felt really gross because he was just, he was mansplaining to me and it was, I think that he, the way he was explaining it all to me felt like he didn't think for a second that I would have had any views on these things. Like he was just telling me he he was explaining his views to me as though I'd never thought about any Mm. of these issues. And that felt really gross. It felt really paternalistic. I felt really spoken down to. And then for him to want to have sex with me, I just felt yuck. So as he left, I went, cool, I'm never seeing him again. He really fucked it up by booking two hours this time because (laughs) I got to know him and I won't be doing that again. Come to a month or so ago, and he tries to rebook. Now, it had been 18 months or maybe two years. And as I find, this is what happens. Had he tried to book a month after that, I would have been like, no, sorry, I'm not seeing you again. And that would have been the end of it. But because time had passed, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's not that bad. It'll be, yeah. well, it'll be fine. I, do you know what? Honestly, and this sounds callous to say on the show, but I went, I'll take his money. Fuck it. I don't care. You know, he's only booked in for an hour. I'll just do it. And what I found really, really interesting was in the booking, he didn't bring up much of that stuff. But towards the end, he started asking me all these questions about a friend of mine who is a peer in the industry. And he was asking like really quite invasive questions about her, asking if she's ill or if she's not well or what's going on in her personal life. And I don't know her that well. I was like, look, I haven't spoken to her for a few weeks. I don't I don't know. And Obviously, if I did know, I wouldn't be sharing that kind of personal information anyway. And he was just, and it was really strange. And I sort of was like, what are you going, why are you talking about her so much? And then he said, oh, I have to admit to you that I used to be a client of hers. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not something you need to admit. That's fine. We have a lot of client crossover. And then he revealed that she had stopped seeing him. She had sent him a, I'm sorry, I can't see you anymore message like the one I would have sent 18 months earlier. And I said, oh, right. Okay. And see, that's why I'm asking if she's sick or something. Um, And I said, oh, look. Sick of you. Well, yes. Um, I said, oh, look, well, uh, you know, there's, there's so many reasons why that might happen. You know, and he said, yeah, well, she gave me this, this silly story about it being about because of my views on marriage equality. Or I think he said my views on gay marriage. Now, I know for a fact that this worker is really fucking queer, as are a lot of sex workers. Mm -hmm. Like, we're a pretty gay bunch of people. And it's always amusing to me that people always see us as straight, cisgendered women. But anyway, that aside, this worker uh, I know has been in a long-term relationship, is a woman, has been in a long-term relationship with a woman. Actually, maybe they identify as non-binary, actually. 
I should check that. Note to self when outside of the industry. And I believe are now in a relationship with somebody who is trans. And obviously I can assume that this client does not believe in gay marriage or whatever you call that. Is I, I believe you call it being a fucking massive bigot. But anyway, he, he phrases it slightly differently to me. And I was like, yeah, well, that's pretty, you know, that's a pretty like inflammatory opinion and it can be really difficult. to. And I was totally talking from myself here going, it can be really difficult to be that intimate with somebody when you know that their views are so different. And he said, why does it matter? We're just having sex. I said, well, it's, you know, when when those views are things that are really important to you, you know, he said, I'm, he kept saying, I'm just old fashioned. I know I'm just old fashioned. I know my views are different. And I said, well, that's cool. But I think it's really reasonable. Like, I don't think that was a silly excuse. She was probably deeply hurt by you having that view. And then he started justifying it and saying, no, I just don't, I, I think gay is fine. I just don't think they should get married. And I was like, I don't fucking care because I'm definitely never fucking seeing you again now. And I just thought it was amusing. He couldn't believe. He was like, no, there must be another reason. She must be sick. It can't mm. be that I'm a fucking bullshit bigot. And I was like, no, it actually is that. Like, actually, you're incredibly offensive and deeply hurtful with what you're saying. Like, we don't want to have sex with you. And it doesn't matter how much you pay us. We still don't want to have sex with you. And it blew my mind that he couldn't accept that and thought that something had to be wrong with her. That's the kicker. I think that a lot of the clients that I've cut off seem to have a really hard time understanding that it's because they've done something weird or that, uh, you know, they're like, let me just explain it. Let me just, yep. like, can I just, let me just You don't talk. understand. Just, you don't. And yep. I'm like, okay, there's a certain amount of don't understand because I might say things now and then, that you, you know, you think mm, sure. or you don't understand or that, you know, there's miscommunication and then there's just being a weird dude and you have mm-hmm. to do a lot of being a weird dude mm-hmm. where we go, do you know what? This, this is just not even worth it. And I find yeah. you so misaligned with my values Mm -hmm. that I don't even want to see you anymore so it's so it's really sad I think we have we have to really harp on that point because we see a lot like weird is fine yeah don't worry if you're a weirdo (laughs) because we're weirdos too that's not but but it really sometimes people you know really do come out with things that that do deeply hurt you or that really just show you that you just go we're not on the same planet like yeah Exactly. And when they just keep, you know, by the time you make the decision to go, mm. you know what, this mm. isn't working, it's usually been a yep. series of things. 100%. So it's not like, oh, you misunderstood one message or you misunderstood mm-hmm. what I said with this. It's like, no, you have been eroding at this relationship for a long time. Yep. And I don't think it's, there's any You've sense. You've been on such thin ice. Yeah. But obviously, unlike a relationship that's not transactional, we're yep. not going to show that, are we? So it seems like a sudden thing to them but it usually isn't. Yeah, I'm not your wife. I'm not your girlfriend. Oh, I'm not going um, to, you know, uh, yeah, if, like as humans, I'll communicate. And if you say something and I go, mm. oh, well, I don't know if I agree there and we can have a chat, but I'm also mm. not going to go, oh, this is, oh, and pull, if I whinge at you at every single thing you say, then, yeah. But I think yeah. for people, I just want to. Well, I didn't tell this guy what I thought about his views <laughs> on gay marriage. I told him that it probably wasn't super sensible to tell sex workers about that, yeah. but I didn't tell him how I really felt. Yeah. yeah. I think I just also want to say for those listening who are sitting and they're going, oh, my God, have I said, stop, stop yes. it. Because there's some of you who listen and they go, yep. oh, my God, am I that guy? You're yep. not that guy. We're talking about mm. people who, yeah, who say things like, 
you know, who make Nazi statements, who yes. say they don't believe in or marriage have equality. swastikas tattooed on them. Yes. We're talking about people who, you know, who, who say things that belittle women or put yep. down or, you know, do just do weird controlling things to us. That's yeah. a very... Or talk about know, violence a lot or just yes. things that alarm yeah. us. Yeah. So the vast, vast majority of people listening, it's mm. not your little dumb joke that you think maybe no. didn't go down oh, well. No. It's not your weird personality quirks. We love them. We've got them. Yeah. We all have. We yeah. like a, a little bit of, um, you know, cheek and playfulness. But, yeah, when, when you have some fundamentally controversial views, uh, particularly, as you said, when a lot of sex workers are pretty lefty. Yeah. Uh, when you yes. tell someone you don't think they deserve the same rights as another person. I don't know how that's going to get them I don't know aroused. how you expect yeah. them to, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking the outcome is going to be there. Maybe a few more years he'll get in touch. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He's going to blow it. Now that she recently yeah. said no to him, and now I'm going to be like, mm, it's the marriage equality thing, dude. Yeah. Maybe, maybe stop being a fucking asshole. <laughs> There's I a tip. wonder because I know a bunch of people have cut off the guy that I have a restraining order on, and I wonder, and I know that he thinks that it's like I've, well, I've, I know mm. he said to a few people in the industry, oh, like, am I, you know, have you put has Holly put you? What? Yeah. No, you just keep fucking yeah. things up. You keep yep. doing weird shit. Like yep. maybe if you stop yep. doing weird things. And, yeah, and, there's no conspiracy here, babe. No, the common just, thread is you. Yeah. I wonder if there's any self-reflection or if they just will continue to think, well, maybe Jenna got sick as well. Mr. Love often says, if you smell dog shit everywhere you go, check your own shoes. And I think that is pretty fucking spot on. We would like to thank our sexy patrons. Our new generous somebody is Mr. Money. Our even more generous somebodies are Timmy, Andrew, Adam Smith, Lachlan, Sub London, Miss Billy, Nora Knightley, Leslie, Scott Watson, Andrew, our secret admirer, Margaret, Wheezy, Ellen, Liam, Fritzia Tits, Catherine, Mr. E, Scott C, Simon, Skippy and FN, and our extremely generous somebodies are Aaron, Andrew, Pete, Amanda Valentina, Sienna Saint, Brino, Adam Moore, Nick, Wombat, B and J, and Theodore Betts, the first Esquire. Thanks so much for listening today and for listening every week. We super appreciate it. It's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Give your love to all workers, whether they're face in or face out, and don't discriminate against us. Any yeah. of us, please. Yeah. Thank Done. You. Cool. Please look out for us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Our name everywhere is Somebody You Pod, as in podcast. Our Patreon starts at just $3 a month, and you can get all of our episodes ad-free and a day early, plus bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes action, bloopers, and more. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the voices of sex workers. And remember, somebody you love might just be a sex worker. <laughs>